Well, today we finish a sermon series. We've been in a series called When God Disappears. And first of all, I have an important question for Ari. How cold are you, Ari? Pretty cold. I'm pretty cold, too. So uh, if you can multitask and take notes and listen uh, and read your Bible and also pray for warmth for us, that would be, that'd be appreciated, Mercy Road Church family. In all seriousness, this series on the book of Job has really uh, hit us in a timely moment, I really think. It, it's, it's this... Uh, nagging sense of anxiety that pervades this cultural moment on planet earth with coronavirus and and we're wondering when it's going to end and how bad it will be and in those type of seasons whether we go through one together or individually like job went through suffering individually it's really natural to feel like god has disappeared and so we've been asking the question what do we do when it feels like God has disappeared? What do we do when we experience suffering that that doesn't seem to correlate with anything we've done to cause that suffering? For Job, the story of his suffering is a story of a man growing closer to God through suffering. Suffering really does that, if you think about it. It either drives you closer to God, you learn to trust God in it, or it drives you further away from God, and you, you have a weaker trust in God. Our prayer in this entire series and for each and every one of us is that we would grow closer to God. Today we end the series by looking at the response that God gives to Job. So throughout Job's trials, his unjust suffering, he's crying out to God. He keeps God in the conversation and and all of a sudden God responds. He gives Job the honor of a response, but it's not the response that Job necessarily expected or wanted. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I think to notice is that God rejects easy answers to human suffering. From there, we're actually going to go into the idea that God respects suffering enough to make a response, and then we'll we'll close the message with God corrects every human perspective on suffering. So, God rejects easy answers, God respects suffering enough to respond, and God corrects our perspective. That's, that's where uh, we're headed today. Have you ever um, been the recipient of an easy answer when you were really going through it? We talked about this uh, for the last two weeks. Job's friends, quote-unquote friends, uh, they did some good things. They did some things right to try to comfort and console him, but they got some things epically wrong. And I'd like us to go to Job chapter 42 um, and, and look at what God has to say to Job's friends. God doesn't just respond to Job. After he does that, he actually has a few things to say to Job's quote-unquote friends. So 42, Job 42, verse 7. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you. And with your two friends, for you have not been right in what you said about me as my servant Job was. Now take seven young bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not been right in what you said about me as my servant Job was right. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite did as the Lord commanded, and the Lord accepted Job's 
prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored Job's fortune. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before than all his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift. So we see the story ends well for Job. There's a happy ending. There's, there's hope at, at the end of his suffering. And yet, Did you notice how direct God was to Job's would-be comforting friends? He said, you got it wrong. You offered easy, trite, pat answers about me, the sovereign God. And and I'm going to need Job to pray, to intercede on your behalf. And you're going to have to make some sacrifices and acknowledge your sin to be made right with me. So what were those easy answers that God rejected? Well, just in review, he rejected the easy answer that you must have done something wrong, Job. You must have deserved this level of suffering. Maybe that's been an experience for you. You've really gone through something and it felt unjust. And somebody said, it's because of your sinfulness. That's why you're suffering. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we can do foolish, rebellious, sinful things, and that can cause suffering for us and other people. But that is not always how it works. That would be an easy answer to over-apply that and to apply it all the time. He rejects also the answer that, hey, there's a master plan. You don't know it. Don't whine. Suck it up, buttercup. That's not the answer that pleases God. And that is one of the easy answers that was pushed on Job. How about this one? You're just mad at God because you lost it all, Job. You're just having a little temper tantrum and you shouldn't talk to God that way. After all, if you read through the book of Job, he gets pretty raw and pretty real with God. He cries out to God. He he does it with a, a base of reverence, but he actually gets super honest with God. And his friends rebuke him for that. They say, you can't talk to God like that. And and don't miss this. God is saying, you can talk to God like that. You can be real. He already knows what you're thinking. You can speak to God. He can handle it, your full emotions. Yeah, God rejects easy answers to suffering. This is really important in this moment that we find ourselves in because there is no shortage of would-be experts who are trying to give easy answers to a very, very complex reality. So he rejects the easy answers. I find that really comforting that God validates and vindicates Job in the end and he kind of corrects his friends. But then notice this. If you're taking notes, the second point I'd like to make is that God respects suffering enough to respond. Have you ever been trying to contact somebody and they just never got back to you? I've done this to people by mistake. As a pastor, you have a lot of people contacting you and sometimes I'll have my, my notifications off on Facebook Messenger or I'll have an old email address that someone tries to contact me through and then you'll see that maybe like months later and, you, and you, you go back to them and say, I'm so sorry. But then there's that type of ignoring behavior where you're trying to get a hold of somebody and they just blow you off. You know, think about it for a minute. God never had a duty and obligation to respond to Job. He didn't have to do it. He could have just been silent. When it felt like God had disappeared, he could have literally disappeared. He, he doesn't owe us that. He's God. He doesn't owe anybody anything because he never had a beginning and he never have an end and he's complete and yet he responds to job and in that response there is a level of respect 
The whole book, Job has been crying out to God, would you just give me an explanation? Would you respond to this unfair, unjust type of pain that I'm going through? And then all of a sudden, God responds. Now, he doesn't give Job the explanation that Job wants. And we'll talk a little more about that. But he does show up. We, we said last week that one of the ways that we comfort people who are in pain, who are suffering, is we, we show up. Physically would be the preference. And if we can't do that, we, we show up over a video screen. God does show up in the end. Notice chapter 42 is the last chapter of Job. He waits for the final chapter to show up. Maybe this drought that you are experiencing right now where you feel like God is distant and no matter what you do, you don't hear him, you don't sense him, you don't feel intimacy, maybe that's going to end, but it's just going to take a little while. Job cries out to God for 40 plus chapters. Think about that. And then Job hears God. He comes to Job in a whirlwind, we're told, and he respects him enough to give him a response, albeit the response is not at all what Job expected. Let me uh, read for you what I would describe as God taking Job on a virtual tour of the universe. We're going to rewind a little bit and go back to chapter 38. The heading in my uh, New Living Translation says, The Lord challenges Job. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, Job? Tell me if you know so much. Do you know how its dimensions were determined? Who did the surveying? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning star sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who defined the boundaries of the sea as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limited its shores. I said, thus far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. God is now getting into the intricacies of the universe that he formed and fashioned, that he maintains and that he holds together with his wisdom and with his power. Now, this is just incredible Hebrew poetry, and he's taking ancient cosmology, and he's speaking in terms that Job understands, but he's just reminding Job of the awesome detail. He's going at the micro level and the macro level. You know, uh, I was talking to Tom Bennett, uh, Pastor Tom, and I write these messages together. Tom pastors a church in Southern California, and we preach essentially our own versions of the message that we wrote together. And he was pointing out to me this week about how Newtonian physics works really well to build bridges and practical things, uh, but scientists get humbled very quickly when we try to apply our logic to the micro world and the macro world. When you get into the light, space, time, continuum, when you look at the, the smallest particles and, and how disease spreads, guess what? We don't have all the answers. And if anyone ever doubted that, now would be a time to lose those doubts. Because even brilliant minds give estimations on how things like the coronavirus will impact the world. And, and to me, 
underneath a lot of that scientific explanation, there seems to be a whole lot of, I just don't really know. We just don't really understand it well enough. We just don't quite have the data. We just don't know how to fix it. God is taking Job on a virtual tour of his universe. And he gets into things like, hey, do you know how like deer are born? Do you, are you aware of what it takes to, to kind of program animals to hunt prey and to live and to form an ecosystem? He just goes into the depths of the intricacies of the universe that God made. And Job, over and over, starts to be corrected. And that's the third point. God corrects every perspective on human suffering. We see this kind of as we age, don't we? If you think back on five years ago, isn't it true that you looked at life in a more simplistic way in one area or the other? Sometimes I think about, you know, wow, I really didn't know what I was doing when I was a 28-year-old lead pastor. (laughs) But then the thought occurs to me, what do I not know now? What will I think about myself now in 10 years? You see, if we can grow in our little lifespans on earth to recognize that we didn't really know what we were doing in this area or that area, even five or 10 or 15 years ago, how much more humbled should we be when we consider God who stands outside of linear time, who never had a beginning, who never has an end. And that's exactly what Job is invited. I actually wouldn't even use that word. I would say demanded to consider. God is saying, humble yourself, Job. You're not wrong for asking the question. I respect you enough to give you a response, but you're asking for an explanation. And that question itself is above your head. Ari and I were talking uh, the other week about how we both really like the cello and the violin. It's just a beautiful sound. And I got to thinking, man, in quarantine, we just have to find somebody at Mercy Road to, to take up the violin or the cello, and then we can incorporate that back into our gatherings. And then I thought for a minute, maybe I'll try to learn the violin. And then I YouTubed it for a little bit, and it looks extremely difficult, and so I think I'm going to pass on that one. Plus, cellos are really expensive. But, but just go with me for a minute. Imagine if I, you know, spent three weeks really working hard learning the violin, and I could kind of function, but I was a beginner. And all of a sudden, I emailed a world-famous violinist or cellist with a, with a question that went something like, how do you play so well? I mean, what, what would he or she respond? They, they would maybe look at the little video of me playing my new violin, that I attached to the email, and they'd say something like, you haven't even earned the right to ask the question. That, that's cute that you've learned how to play the violin, but I, I couldn't even explain it to you. It would be like an ant understanding the internet because the distance between your ability and my ability as a world-class musician is so incredibly great, you just have no right to even ask me that. I mean, you're not wrong for asking. I get you want to be better at the violin or the cello or whatever, but you just don't even have the skills to comprehend a proper explanation. That is really what God is saying to Job, and really he does say it to us, not in a condescending way, but like a loving father would say to a very small child, you just don't understand. Or maybe it's something like we say to our kids all the time, 
I'll tell you when you're older. You'll understand when you're older. There are some things in life and suffering and the mysteries of God dispensing justice is one of them that we just are not yet equipped to understand. Now, here's the good news. We are eternal beings. We're going to last forever. When the body wears out, the soul will continue to go on. We will live forever with God. We will receive a new glorified body if we trust in the forgiving love of Jesus Christ. If you don't trust in that forgiving love, please start to do that because you will last forever in the presence of God or away from the presence of God. That's your choice. It's all based on you accepting the gift. But on the other side of death and eternity, I do believe these mysteries will be laid bare for us. We will grow to understand so much of what we wanted to understand now. But now is not the time to know everything. And it's not like God is holding back information to be mean. I really believe he has a strategic purpose in that. The question is, for those who are suffering, are we going to try to comfort ourselves with pat answers, easy answers to hard questions like Job's friends? Or are we willing to accept the response that God gives us? And that response is God showing up and, and really humbling us by saying, yes, I love you. Yes, I made you. Yes, I get that you're going through pain. Your pain is important, but your pain is not ultimate. And you're not equipped to understand. Are we willing to have God correct our perspective? Think about that phrase. Your pain and suffering is important, but your pain and suffering is not ultimate. Have you ever met someone who made their pain and suffering ultimate? They just kind of worshipped it. They made it central. It was like an idol in their life. It was always about their pain and suffering. These people kind of de-evolve. And they, they turn into a, a very inward version of a human being. And they're just obsessed with their grievances and their wounds. And no consolation, no comfort will ever be enough. In some ways, they don't even want to be consoled or comforted. Job's life is a powerful message, Mercy Road. And it's an invitation to not make our pain and suffering the most important central thing in the universe. Just think about it. Zoom the lens back for a sec. Yes, coronavirus is unprecedented. It's crazy. Uh, we don't know when it will end. Many of us have big questions about the suffering and the economy and health. And we're going crazy at home. And many of us who are, are uh, in essential services are going crazy at work. And, and it's all hard, but, but it's one event, one season in all of human history. Think about all the human beings that have suffered in different pandemics, in different times. Sometimes I, I read about history and I think, man, I don't know how I would have fared back then. I mean, that was pretty rough stuff. The Roman Empire, are you kidding me? I mean, even the 1800s. I, I was reading a uh, little trivia about how um, in the 15th century, people took a bath once a day and they would all share, or I'm sorry, once a year. Once a day is what we do, once a year. So once a year, you get to take your bath. And so most couples would get married in June because that was right after you take your annual bath. And families would kind of share a bathtub. So the, the parents would separately bathe first and then the kids were, were next and then the infants were last. And that's where we got the phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because 
the bathwater was so disgusting after the whole family had bathed that, you know, you might lose a baby in there. And, and I was just thinking to myself, I really like personal hygiene. I don't know if I could have done that. Sometimes when you look at the suffering of other eras, it's not meant to say that our suffering doesn't matter. Or it's not significant. It does matter to God. But it does remind us God is orchestrating an entire universe. You can read more about God's response that I correct. I would uh, ask you to do it. Uh, you've got some time on your hands, presumably, today. And, and it's a fascinating, fascinating response because there's this part where Job essentially is asking God about administering justice. And God's response is, is to say, would you think that you could do a better job administering justice? He, he basically tells Job to remember that when you exact justice, it does something to you. So you see, God is this perfect mix of just and mercy. Justice and mercy, love and consequences. And he's so much better at doing that. The nuances of administering consequences and justice are way too vast for us to do a better job. Maybe as we end this series on Palm Sunday today, we simply need to say, God, I don't know it all. And I, I don't know how it's all going to end. And it hurts. And it's hard. But even though it feels like you've disappeared, I'm going to choose to trust that you have not disappeared. Even though I feel out of control, I'm going to choose to trust that you are in control. Even though I need to admit that I'm not very capable and competent to fix everything that's going around me, I need to just trust and admit that you are God and I am not, and you are capable and competent to work all things out for good purposes in the end. It might take 40 chapters, but I'm going to keep talking to you. I'm going to keep crying out to you. And I'm going to be comforted in knowing that you are my God and I can trust you. That's my prayer for all of you, Mercy Road. We will be sending a link out for a Good Friday experience. It is Holy Week after all uh, this week, and uh, we will even have a creative way to uh, take communion together on Good Friday, so watch for that in your email and check our website. If you're not receiving our weekly email called The Weekly Wire, Feel free to email us, contact us through our website, and we would love to put you on that list. It's filled with encouraging videos and resources and articles. And now, let me just pray for us before Ari closes us in a song. God, this uh, series has been a heavy one, and I pray that you would comfort anyone who is really going through it right now. And many of us are, and all of us are to some extent. Lord, thank you for teaching us through your servant Job that life will involve pain. And sometimes it's pain that we didn't bring upon ourselves. And sometimes it'll feel like you have disappeared. But thank you, Lord, that, that you never disappear, that you're always close to us, that you always care. Help us to keep up the discipline of talking to you, of seeking you, trusting that as we talk to you, as we seek and reach out to you, you will respond. Lord, I just thank you that your greatest response was to show up in the flesh, in the person of your son, Jesus Christ, the one innocent sufferer 
the one that Job merely points to, the one who deserved none of the pain but took all of the pain on our behalf. And we look forward to next week, Lord, to Resurrection Sunday. We pray this in Jesus' name.